Hello everyone and welcome to the Unlocked Basketball podcast presented by Locked In Basketball, hosted by myself, Alex Wilson. Today's guest is the NBL One All-Star, Isaac Turner, who has experience with the NBL with Southeast Phoenix, Sydney Kings and Melbourne United. He shares his journey all the way from Florida up to Pennsylvania and how he made his way to Sydney and then been in Kilsyth and Melbourne for the last four years. Welcome, Isaac, to the Unlocked Basketball podcast. How have you been with the isolation times and everything going on at the moment? Um, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited. Um, you know, just getting through it. Obviously, with basketball being, you know, being postponed, that was kind of tough. And just sort of, you know, finding that motivation to keep to keep uh, working out and, and stay mm-hmm. ready. So, um, you know, now that we're sort of coming on to the other end of it, it's, it's gotten better. But, you know, it, it's definitely been a tough time for, for everyone. So. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, the, so currently you're an import for the NBL1 Kilsouth Cobras as well as a development player for Phoenix. But before we get there, I want to talk about how we got there. So um, you obviously yeah. started out in the US, in Florida, um, growing up in Florida there. Um, yeah. How was yeah. it in, in Florida um, playing basketball there? Were, were you good at it to begin with, basketball, or um, yeah. have to adjust into high school and work your, work your ass off? Um, yeah, so it was, it was definitely, um, you know, like, I, I guess I was drawn to, I was always drawn to basketball. So it, I definitely didn't start out, you know, like a prodigy. It definitely was, was a lot of work. Um, but it was just, you know, it was just a product of me sort of shooting out in my backyard or in my backyard every day, watching a ton of, a ton of basketball on TV. Mm. And, um, sort of once I got to, to about year eight, uh, I sort of realized that, you know, this is what I you know, I want to try and give it a shot and I want to make the most out of it. So um, sort of once I got to there and entering high school, I sort of, you know, I guess took it more seriously. But it definitely just started out as, um, you know, just fun with your friends and, and, and messing around like I think most most sports and more, most games do. So mm. year nine, I guess you, I'll talk about, uh, you know, my high school sort of uh, career. Um, so, yeah, growing up in Orlando. Central Florida. I went to a. Ended up. I was lucky enough to be, you know, in the district of a of a high school called Winter Park High School, and you know, there's just a ton of basketball talent in in the area. So, you know, without re- really recruiting or um or you know paying players to come, as a lot of high schools sort of look to do nowadays, we were just lucky enough to be a, a group of friends that happen to be, you know, have quite a bit of talent. So we sort of all came in together year nine, and um, you know, by the end of it, we were. We were ranked top 15 in the nation, wow. and uh, we won two championships in a row. So, yeah, it ended up working out, um, you know, pretty amazingly. Worked out very well. They're hard to get, though, small groups of talent as well, especially at a yeah. high school yeah, level. Yeah, definitely. Um, who is your favorite? Orlando Magic's the local NBA team. Did they have much influence on you growing up? Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, so kind of a funny story. We, Me and my friends actually sort of grew up disliking Orlando. Because um, one of so yeah so and, and one of you know one of my teammates in high school was Austin Rivers, who now plays for the um, Houston Rockets. So mm. um, and at the time Doc was coaching the Magic. So and you know unfortunately he was he was let go, and so that sort of started the uh, you know the beef with uh, with Orlando and, and our friend group. So since then you know I've never been a huge Magic fan, but um you know I still went to the games and everything and you know because that was the only basketball you could really watch professionally so so it's a love-hate relationship basically yeah <laughs> there you go fun fact um and then you moved to Pennsylvania 
um, to go to college at the St. Vincent College. Yeah. How was it, first of all, leaving your family to go and play basketball or, and study at another state? It was uh, probably, you know, at the time, probably one of the, or the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. You know, just obviously being, I'm a, I'm a very family-oriented person. And um, so, you know, being, going from seeing them every day to uh, a, a different environment where, you know, you're, you're with strangers, you know, you have people helping you, but it's completely a culture shock. So my first um, semester in, in, at St. Vincent was really tough. You know, I struggled. Mm-hmm. You know, I let my grades slip. And, and it was all because of me being homesick. I sort of, I had to, I had to grow up and I think it, it was, you know, one of the best ways for me to mature. And I think it's helped me completely, you know, to where, to, to get where I am today, but definitely, you know, really, really tough when I when my first, you know, few months there. So mm, mm. what helped you adjust yeah. to it? Was it? Honestly, uh, you know, I would have to credit it to my, to my basketball coaches, you know, they really gave me, you know, the kick in the the kick in the butt that I needed, and really put it into perspective for me. You know, it was a an opportunity. It was a really, really, really good opportunity. You know, and and I needed to make the most of it, and I really wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about that. So, I definitely credit my coaches for, you know, I guess um, keeping me on that path, and and uh, and you know, just making me work hard and, and get to where to where I wanted to go. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the basketball there essentially was an outlet for you, was it? Um, from using yeah. home and, and schoolwork and so on? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was, um, you know, and that's, that's always, it's always been an outlet for me. And I think mm-hmm. it is, is for, for a lot of people, but yeah, I just had to, I had to sort of take my mind off of thinking about my family. You know, at mm-hmm. the time I had a girlfriend as well that was in Florida, you know, which made things tougher. So mm-hmm. I really had to, um, you know, put my future into perspective and, and just put as much as I could into basketball. And, you know, it's worked out. So that's sort of been my, you know, philosophy. Just put your head down and get your work done and, and you know, good things will come out of it. So your first year or two at the basketball, were you heavily, like, did you have a big role to begin with or did you start off like kind of 10th rotation man or whatever it might be? Um, yeah, so I was lucky enough to, my freshman year, I actually started and I was playing a good chunk of minutes. I was probably playing the majority of the game. You know, and I think I, I credit that to, you know, my high school experience. I was I was playing a bit and I feel like, you know, we were in some some big situations and some, you know, late game situations. I just felt like I had a bit more experience than a lot of freshmen going in. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that sort of just translated well, you know, and, and then I had a, again, I had a coach that completely, you know, believed in my abilities and, and he backed me. So I think it was just a mix of all that that um, that allowed me to, you know, sort of be a main role player coming in my freshman year. Mm. Um, and, and then, like I said, uh, you know, I sort of, me being homesick, not focusing on the things that I needed to, I actually let my grades slip to the point where I was ineligible my second semester of freshman year. Okay. So that was another, you know, major turning point where I just wasn't putting things into perspective. I, I came in my freshman year, I think I was averaging maybe 20 points a game, mm. um, maybe five assists and, and a few rebounds. So you know, I was putting up good numbers and I was, I was actually setting myself up to have a, you know, a historic freshman season. But again, I just didn't prioritize what was important. And, um, you know, obviously you have to take care of it in the classroom as well as on the court. So it was just a balancing act for me. And, and then that was another, you know, point where 
it, it put into perspective that, you know, if you don't take care of what you need to, then the things you love get taken away. So I really had to, you know, put that extra effort in on the off the court so I could so I could get back on and and uh, keep playing and keep doing what I loved. Continuing on to your junior and senior year, you had also yeah. quite a bit of success in those couple of years as well. So, yeah, sophomore year, actually, I broke my foot and had surgery. So that was another one. You know, I, I got dealt a couple really, you know, mm. tough, I guess, cards. But it happens. And, you know, adversity, I guess, you know, makes people stronger. So mm. I had to deal with that, you know, sophomore year, broke my foot and then came back and rehab from that and, and set myself up for and our team. You know, luckily, I had some great teammates, um, one which is Dylan Stythe, which mm. I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, like junior year, um, both Dylan and I, I think we were one and two in scoring, one and two for conference player of the year. So I think it was just, you know, great timing and, and again, great teammates that helped me, I guess, sort of shine those those last two years. And then obviously yeah. you got you got enough of it. And then how'd you end up in Australia going from <laughs> Pennsylvania, essentially, and then you landed in Sydney um, as it was it straight away. You were a DP for Sydney Kings at the time. Um, so it actually wasn't straight away and it's, um, kind of a interesting story. So mm. Dylan Stith that I, that I mentioned, um, who's my best friend and he plays here, um, actually for, for our rival club Knox, but so we won't, we won't hold that against him, but he, um, we, yeah, we, we both, you know, we had, we had good, uh, junior and senior years and we sort of decided that, uh, and I, I definitely decided early that, you know, I wanted to keep trying to play basketball as much as possible. So. You know, we we played at a D three school, so not as mm. much you know, not as many offers coming out of out of college there. Really, not not much to pick from at all. So, you know, I I sort of just decided I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I ended up you know emailing my game film to you know countless coaches. You know, got involved with some agents. I know Dylan signed with an agent straight away, and um, we just kind of hoped that if we got our names out there enough and you know reached out to enough outlets, that something would come about. You know, I actually just stum happened to stumble upon a – it was a, you know, like a pro combine. So, I think 100, 100 players got invited. And um, out of those 100, you know, college seniors, they were going to choose 10 guys to come to Australia and um, work out with a bunch of pro teams and scrimmage. Mm. So, you know, uh, we actually – Dylan and I – so, we ended up driving to Indiana and um, – and went to the combine and both got picked luckily and, and came to Australia and sort of the, the rest is history. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was really lucky and it was sort of a, a situation that you had to sort of make the most out of, um, you know, cause it was not guaranteed by any means, but so we came out here and we were lucky enough. Um, I was picked up by a team in Sydney called Sutherland and they play in the, in the Waratah league. And Dylan was actually um, signed by Melbourne Tigers. You know, obviously, I don't know if, you know, the listeners have uh, an idea about those clubs, but not the, you know, the, not the most, you know, not the most money, not the most, uh, not the most to give and not the most appealing, you mm. know, places to play. But, you know, we were just looking for an opportunity and we ended up, you know, loving it. So sort of moved on to here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, had, just had to get a foot into the door, you know, and make the most out of it. Yeah, that's it. So you could end up essentially anywhere. Um, and then came to this wonderful country. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, so you started off at Sutherland um, there, and then how'd you work your way into the Sydney Kings um, training spot? At Sutherland, my coach, uh, my head coach, his name's BJ Carter, 
And if you're familiar with him, he played uh, a few years with the Sydney Kings. I believe he won a championship, but mm. don't quote me on that. But, um, but yeah, so he, he ended up just, um, you know, having a few friends that, that were involved in the organization and and he was you know he's awesome and he was kind enough to say to sort of believe in me and say hey you guys need to give this guy a look so you know on top of that and then having a, a solid first season Sydney just reached out to me and said hey we'd love for you to come train and see where it goes and mm. so I was more than happy to do that because you know I just want to play at the highest level that I can consistently so mm. um, you know that was a huge opportunity for me and you know, got to meet some awesome people there and train there. So, you know, which only just builds to, to your basketball resume and, and experience and, mm. you know, sort of getting a feel for what it's like at the next level. So, mm. um, yeah, it was great. And I really enjoyed it. How did you find um, the transition, like playing in a pro Australian team? How, how was it compared to a college over in the U.S.? Honestly, they're worlds apart. It's really interesting because, you know, in the States – the game is sort of built on athleticism and um, and skill, but you know, you at a young age you're doing skill development. You know, things that things that sort of seem crazy. You know, like you're working on, you know, what some people would think were flashy moves, but I think that's just part of the culture. And um, whereas here, I think it's you know built on physicality and, and hard work. And obviously, the game's changing now, but the the main thing that I noticed between the two, um, between, you know, college and here was just the difference in physicality. Guys aren't here, you know, aren't necessarily as athletic in the States, mm. but I just thought that there was, you know, the amount, like just pl- even just the, the amount that guys were diving on the floor, you know, you're getting hit on screens. Just, it was, it was another level. The game was faster. So that was, I guess, the main difference, just the fat, the, the speed and the physicality mm. um, compared to, you know, you're, you're guarding somebody that may be more athletic and may have more finesse in the States, but, mm. but yeah, so physicality and definitely pace. And also you're versing, whereas college, you, you're playing against those under like essentially under 23s and then you, the NBL, you're playing against what, 27, 28 year olds at a, yeah. at an average. So it's kind of like they've been around the block and know where to exactly. Yeah. They've got their athleticism still. And how did you yeah, reverse yeah, the exactly. older guys coming in as fairly young? Um, yeah, so it, it's exactly like you said. They they sort of they have that experience and and they know you know where to hit you and their timing is just you know it's remarkable. So uh, you just or at least I sort of felt you know like I was a, a step behind you know my first you know first couple of training sessions, first couple of games, but it was just an adjustment and just getting used to that and as you know with with basketball and most sports you kind of just have to make an adjustment on the fly and and learn to adapt and so it was definitely a a bit of a process and I got beat up a bit but but yeah I'm definitely a better player and person person for it so Mm. you came to Kilsoth you've been at Kilsoth for is correct me for four years now going on four or five years yeah so it's pretty crazy but yeah going on four years so before the you know, everything happened with, with COVID. This would have been, yeah, my third season, um, mm. consecutive season at Killside. Mm. So, in the meantime, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a veteran. <laughs> you become, a, you become <laughs> the old guy on the court. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you, in, the, in that time, there you've been a few times semi-finalists as well as making all-star teams. 
how do you, have you found the NBL one? So you've been in the transition from the Siebel to the NBL one level. Um, have you noticed a huge difference in like skill level or competition? Yeah, just so just in those in the past couple of years, I think. Um, well, I mean, one thing that NBL one or you know formerly Siebel has been able to do is just the the marketing and the just getting the the name out there has been amazing. I think, um, and that's completely added into it's completely directly correlated to the skill level and, um, and the talent that's come into the league. I think just even, even being NBL one, it's made it more appealing. They're starting to, you know, they're trying to get more outlets to actually give people a chance to watch the games. And so I think that just attracts better players, you know, guys that maybe might've wanted to take a season off for NBL, you know, they see that there's a stronger league here. And so maybe they just say, you know, we'll decide to give it a go and stay fit. And then on top of that, you know, it's more appealing to overseas players. They see it's, you know, possibly a pathway to MBL and for younger guys as well. So, yeah, I just think it's, it's completely attracted more talent and it's, it's definitely taken a step up since my first year uh, playing Siebel. So yeah, it's been great. I think they've done an an amazing job with that. Uh, Melbourne United uh, and Southeast Phoenix as well, development players. Have you found the, the difference or have you found that, that experience in general, first of all? Well, those both of those experiences have been a blessing. Again, just like Sydney, just being able to consistently train at a at a really high level, and just to go about and to see the guys that are that are professionals and that have been doing it for a long time, you you learn a lot really quickly. And I and I you know I credit you know all of those sort of opportunities to the basketball player that I am today. So, but Melbourne United again, you know Justin Schuler and Dean Vickerman, you know that whole coaching staff. I learned so much from them and it, it was, I was honestly just amazing just to be able to, to get amongst it and, and to be able to throw yourself in there and, and test yourself against the other guys, but both great opportunities, you know, and both very different um, experiences, you know, with United, that's a, a club that's got a, you know, a, a history and success. Mm. Um, and just to see the way they operate day to day, you know, you can just tell that they're, you know, pushing for excellence, you know, in, in every aspect. And then, where, whereas you see, you know, Southeast Melbourne, a, a newer club, but, you know, pushing for the same thing and also pushing for excellence. And um, they both do, you know, go about it different ways. You know, Phoenix is definitely, they're hungry and, you know, they, they've got the grit and they're willing to, to do whatever it takes to, you know, put themselves in that circle in the same conversation. So it's cool, you know, seeing, seeing a club that's reached sort of where they want to get to and then also seeing a, a young club that's working to get to where they want to. And, and I've been really thankful to sort of be a part of that and help mm. out where I can and um, help push the guys and then just be ready. And, and yeah, so both very different uh, experiences, but both, you know, awesome, awesome mm. clubs, awesome opportunities. Is there any points where you, because you play with some um, training with some pretty big name stars like your Chris Goldings or your Mitch Creeks and so on. How how's it like, does it get become normal seeing them or at first are you pinching yourself a little getting on court and either you have to match up or play with them when you don't want to let them down or whatever it might be? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually kind of funny, you know, because so obviously great guys, great basketball players, but, you know, I'm sort of coming in with, uh, I guess, a fresh perspective, you know, mm. of a lot of these guys. I've obviously heard of them and seeing them all over the place. But, you know, like growing up, they weren't necessarily huge names for me, you know? So I think a lot of the, a lot of the players nowadays, you know, they've, they've seen them since they were young. And so that sort of adds to that, um, 
you know, this, the starstruck or the awe of when you actually get onto the court. And so, you know, me, I, I'm just meeting these guys for the first time, you know, only a couple of years ago. So I'm sort of just building, you know, my experiences based off of that. So I try not to, you know, think about, you know, these guys are some of the best players in the world. Um, mm. I just want to go out and compete, but you know, it's sort of impossible to not to be, you know, sort of in awe when you see some of the stuff these guys do, you know, like, just some of the shots they can hit and the level they're on, you can't help but be impressed. So mm. I try not to let that cloud it, cloud my game too much, but you know, sometimes it's impossible not to admire some of the stuff they do. Is there any like common trait they, they seem to have amongst one another? Yeah. I mean, I would say, I guess the, uh, the common, you know, I guess the common denominator would be the attitude, you know, like great guys off the court, but sort of once you step on, it's, it's pretty, um, you know, it's kill or be killed almost is the mentality. And that seems pretty harsh, but, you know, for lack of a better mm. uh, saying, you know, they're just looking to completely tear apart whoever is in front of them. And that's sort of the mentality I think most of the best players have is, you know, no matter who it is, you're going to go at them and you're going you're gonna to compete. You're going to give it your best. So I'd say that's the sort of main thing is just that mentality, that scorer's winner's mentality. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then have you tried to adopt that as much as, as, much as possible in your own game? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, just by, I'm a pretty, I guess, cool tempered person. <laughs> I'm pretty relaxed. laid back. I don't, I'm very relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Off the court. And so, but the, I definitely have a bit of that in me. I think I'm not, maybe not as vocal or don't show it as much, but mm. I definitely have that, uh, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm doing better than the person <laughs> on the other side of me. And, um, and I want to make sure that I'm doing whatever I can to help my team win and, and yeah, I mean, it does come out as some aggressiveness sometimes, but I think I've definitely picked that up from some of the players. You know, I, I, it's just, for me, it's just a balance of keeping my cool and, and also, you know, having to, you know, sort of be a dog when you have to. Mm. So, but yeah, it's definitely rubbed off, I think, a little bit, you know, playing against those guys, for sure. Mm. How do you go transitioning from like the, the NBL environment and then dropping down to the NBL one? Um, How does that transition? No, yeah, that's a um, that's a really good question because you sort of you go from like I said, you know, you have these guys that are either yelling at you or holding you accountable to be your best every day, and it's a very intense environment. You know, you're you, you got to know that if you if you mess up or if you maybe you run a play wrong, there's a chance that you're going to get called out for it, and you just have to be you have to accept that, and you have to be you have to be ready for that. So. Mm. Um, but just the accountability and the intensity and then, you know, sort of going from NBL to NBL one, it drops a little bit when not everybody's a full-time athlete, which is completely mm. understandable. You know, guys have other, other things going on and guys are balancing, you know, who knows how many things at once. So, you know, trying to, trying to bring that same intensity, um, into NBL one, it can be hard, but. Um, you sort of just got to find a way to to pick it up and to keep pushing everybody. But there's definitely a, uh, it definitely goes up in in intensity and uh, and speed and pace once it gets to to NBL. So, mm. you know, so I find for myself personally, I gotta, you know, you have to adjust the way that maybe you speak to teammates. You can't always um, you can't always you know get get too upset because you got to realize that guys are dealing with other stuff as well. So it's definitely. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, communication sort of helps solve is just being able to talk to your teammates and work things out and feeling out where everybody is and, and making sure you're pushing them in the right way and, uh, and not overdoing it, I guess. So 
yeah, it's definitely another aspect you have to, you have to think about when it comes to, um, you know, your teammates and your communication. Does that, does that positively or negatively like infect, uh, affect sorry, your, um, motivation each, each time going to that where it's not um, quite the same or is it increase it because you know, you have to be a bit more of a leader or using that MBL experience? No, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think it, um, well, for me, I guess for me personally, you know, it, it wants, it makes me want to work on, you know, what, what aspects I need to be a, a good leader. Cause I feel like I do, like you said, you know, I have some of the experience and going from an MBL season straight into, you know, MBL one, I feel like I, I am in tune with, you know, some of the things that it might take to be successful or, or I might take some things that I might've seen from Phoenix and say, Hey, maybe that's something we could apply as a team or that's, you know, I look at the leaders on the team and say, hey, maybe that's one way I can motivate my teammates once it comes to MBL one. So, yeah, just uh, I think it's I think it's huge just having that experience and um, and having that uh, that motivation, I guess, to to sort of be a leader and pick all the guys up and mm. I guess sort of carry them along, you know, and trying to keep them motivated just like I am. 100%. So, yeah, that sounds good. So I've done this this you are the second victim of this um either horrible oh, segment or somewhat funny segment so that's up to the yeah, we go. questions there. Uh, <laughs> so um it says 15 questions we got no we should probably have a timer but we don't have a timer for it. Um, no, that's okay. It was, was it's just an ASAP answer. They're not they're not too much. So we'll see how we go on that, right? All right, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> what is your favorite city? um orlando <laughs> <laughs> not happy with that one eh? no actually no melbourne's definitely my favorite i would oh trying to win the viewers i can't over, take really. it back <laughs> i panicked, I panicked. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. best gift you've ever received a pair of jordan threes uh favorite superhero uh batman favorite movie I love Hook growing up. He got games, one of my favorites. I don't know. That, I, won't, I won't name too many to say. He got games. <laughs> one thing you have to have in your fridge at all times. Oh, uh, I'll say um, milk. Gotta milk. have milk. Yep. What is yeah. the last thing you cooked? Um, last thing I cooked last night, I made a pork roast in the Very oven. Nice. And it was delicious. Yeah, there it was good. Go. Any, um, anyone that wants a nice meal, Isaac can also cook. Yeah, hit me <laughs> up. Um, something you've always wanted to do, but too afraid to do? Uh, probably skydive would be the first thing that comes to mind. I would never do it, but I think it'd be pretty cool to say pretty that cool you, know, to you jumped out of a plane. Yeah. <laughs> At like 30,000 feet. Yeah, um, no thanks. Morning, are you a morning person or a night person? Um, I'd probably say by nature, I'm probably a, a night person, but... I like the idea of getting up early and getting everything done. I, I'd like happens. to be productive in the morning, but yep. yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> probably much rather a night person, but yeah, I'm transitioning to mornings. Yeah. One thing that annoys you most when people say like, or um, too much, yep. <laughs> but, but <laughs> if that's only rare. It's only if it's excessive, you know, like every other word I just yep. said, like as well in that sentence. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. What's your biggest fear? Probably spiders. I mm. can't stand spiders. Can't. Yeah. So if, if you yes. have a spider, it's like Taylor, come over here quick. Yeah, pro- uh, I don't want to say that, but I'll probably <laughs> keep my distance. <laughs> I'll probably, I'd probably ask her to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, most likely. Accompli- one accomplishment you're most proud of? I would say graduating college with a bachelor's degree. I'd say mm-hmm. that's something I'm, pretty, I'm proud of. 
most memorable career moment so far? I'd probably say winning winning a conference championship in college. I was our senior year it was really memorable. It was awesome. Mm. Great, great, great experience. Uh, favorite food? Rice. I know it sounds weird. Chicken and rice would probably be like my favorite. Yep. Can I two? Can I do two? Is that uh, right? You can go two. Bend the rules. Um, if you could be any nationality, what would it be? Oh, I mean, I gotta say Aussie, right? Oh, I gotta say converted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, probably Australian. That's different. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this is the one where I really judge you. How do you like your steak cooked? Oh, uh, right off the bat, that's an easy one. Medium. Got to have medium. A medium. Oh yeah. no. Not no. too, not too raw, but not too cooked. It's nice, pink in the center. It's perfect. Medium, medium or medium rare? Wait, are you a medium? You're a medium rare guy, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You can't ruin the meat with um. Oh, anyway. by cooking it, make sure it's cooked enough. Okay. Uh, it's got to be. Right. It's got to be a little bit pink. Anyway, a little bit pink precise. is medium, but yeah, we won't argue about it. It's, it's okay. It's we'll move on. All right, <laughs> that's all we've got. <laughs> yeah, we'll end it on that. A philosophic, a philosophical debate on how uh, steak. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for coming on. Uh, this afternoon or the morning this morning um isaac yeah wonderful thanks for having story. me no thank, thank you. you and we'll definitely have to get you on some other time as well yeah definitely whenever yeah. you need me awesome thank you all right thanks al thank you for listening to the latest episode of the unlocked basketball podcast hosted by myself alex wilson and the guest speaker today was isaac turner go hit him up on the socials on isaac turner on Facebook and Instagram. If you could like and follow Locked In Basketball at Facebook and Instagram, that would be amazing. Once again, we'd love to hear your feedback. Any suggestions, what you'd like to hear in the following week, following episode would be greatly appreciated. Hope you tune in next week.